This is Here's How, Ireland's political, social and current affairs podcast, presented by William Campbell. Thank you for downloading episode 113 of Here's How for the 15th of October 2020. Bertie Ahern's Fianna Fáil PD coalition gutted Ireland's freedom of information laws. They were partly restored by Fine Gael and Labour. But is the real problem a culture where civil servants use every trick they can to frustrate open government? Here's How is Ireland's political, social and current affairs podcast. Make your view heard. Just dial 076 603 5060 and tell the world what you're thinking. Your voicemail may be included in the next podcast. You can find tips on recording your contribution and other ways to contact the show at hereshow.ie slash call. Here's what we've got coming up for you in this podcast. We missed that when we were trying to photocopy the double-sided paper. Maybe, maybe that's a mistake, but when the page that is missing is the most embarrassing page of the whole lot, uh, and when this kind of thing happens more than once, um, sometimes you'd think that this isn't an accident. That's coming up shortly, but first I want to say thank you to all of my donors on Patreon. I really appreciate all of you who do that, and for the people who don't, just to let you know, Patreon is a website that allows people to donate a dollar or two per podcast or per month, and that helps me to devote more time to research and finding interesting guests for the podcast. If you think that you could do the same as them, there's details on the website and at the end of the show. And, as I said, that interview is coming up shortly. In fact, it's coming up very shortly. I'm not going to do my usual little editorial piece at the start. It relates to the content of the interview, so I'll save it for after. On the line now, I have John Hamill. He's based in Monaghan, but he contributes to a podcast called The Free Thought Prophet, and that's sort of because he's been involved in atheism and advocating on behalf of non-religious people in Ireland. And I don't want to talk about atheism or anything like that in this podcast, John. What I want to talk about is a FOI request, a freedom of information request, that you put into a particular body in Ireland. First of all, can you tell me what is the Professional Development Service for Teachers? What is that? Sure, William. So um, I guess people will be aware that the curriculum for most of the junior cycle and the Leaving Cert subjects tends to evolve over time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think most recently, uh, maths changed quite substantially. We had this Project Maths um, thing that uh, attracted a lot of media attention a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, but all, all of the subjects evolve Um from time to time and what that means is that the teachers already in the field the teachers already in schools um, need to learn about the um, the new teaching processes the new content on the curriculum so somebody uh, qualified as a teacher maybe 10 years ago there's something new coming up and they is that they go for training with these people the professional development service for teachers called the pdst an unfortunate acronym but it's called pdst Indeed, indeed. I think a, a lot of corporations will use the term CPD, Continuous Professional Development, and it's exactly as you described, uh, William. So it's done through what they call in-service days. Mm-hmm. So a teacher uh, during a normal school day, um, this school will provide a substitute, and that teacher will go off-site to one of these in-service days whereby there's a publicly funded course um, in order to provide this kind of CPD. 
Exactly that. And the Professional Development Service for Teachers does that. You say publicly funded. So that's being organised by, is it the Department of Education? That's right. Within the Department of Education and Skills, there's a function called the Teacher Education Section. And the Teacher Education Section within the department fully funds the PDST to do this kind of continuous professional development for teachers. Okay. And you put in an FOI to them, a freedom of information request. And you would think that because this is a government body, it's fairly clear that they're subject to the Freedom of Information Act. They're not uh, covered by any exception, not that I'm aware of anyway. Tell me very briefly, what did you ask? Uh, Well, I I was aware that their religion in service days were conducted uh, in cooperation with the Catholic Church because... Mm -hmm. um, the details of those in, in service days were advertised in church websites. There's a, a joint agenda where you have some speakers from the church and some speakers from the PDST. They uh, often begin with prayers. They happen on the church premises. So that this seems quite weird. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just wanted to know whether the events that I saw advertised were once off or whether this was a common practice. So I, I asked the PDST for the uh, communications that they had with the church to set up these events and for a list of how many events had taken place. Okay, and I guess your suspicion was there that these people are using uh, resources of the Catholic Church or using advisors, using representatives of the Catholic Church to instruct publicly funded teachers on how to instruct children in religious practice rather than particularly just educating them about religious religion in general. So that's to say they are preaching rather than teaching and that's being organized through this. That's That was your interest in it, is that right? That, that's exactly it, uh, William. So um, if the church wants to have these kind of discussions with the faithful, obviously that's uh, entirely their own business. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but the department's always very clear that their religion course, the state religion course, teaches children about the phenomenon of the different religions that exist in the world, rather than engage in faith formation to try and, you know, manufacture little Catholics. Okay, so, so this might strange. be this might be analogous to a history lesson would quite rightly cover maybe the history of the Soviet Union, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you're indoctrinating somebody in Marxism, Leninism and teaching them to be a communist. That's the that's the distinction between those two things. So that's you see, uh, I can see here the, the query that you put in to ask for all correspondence between the PDST and representatives of the Catholic Church, and you expanded on that, and mm-hmm. also a list of all the in-service days for religion teachers, which were attended by representatives of the Catholic Church. And then on the 30th of January 2018, that's a date to note, 30th of January 2018, that's more than two years ago, two and a half years Mm ago, um, Kira O'Donnell, the National Director of the PDSD, wrote back to you, and what did she say? Uh, Yeah, well, uh, she uh, answered my questions directly in in relation to the correspondence between the PDST and the church. Um, She said, and I'll quote, Mm -hmm. there has been no such correspondence or communication between the PDST and representatives of the Catholic Church. And in relation to the list of in-service days with the church, uh, again, I'll quote, she said, 
there have been no jointly arranged in-service days and representatives of the Catholic Church have not attended our in-service days in that capacity. And as you see it, was that the truth or was it a lie? Well, uh, I, I knew it was uh, false in that um, the church themselves had advertised uh, these in-service days. And in fact, um, for example, the Diocese of Kerry had not only uh, published the agenda, but they had published photographs of who attended, uh, including the speakers from the church and the speakers from the PDST. Uh, and it all took place uh, in the diocesan uh, premises uh, at the in um, in Tralee. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I don't want to say so, and, it was and a it's lie, important, but it certainly important. wasn't true. Okay, uh, we'll we'll be generous to Kira in that respect. Then, and it's important what you're saying there that these and you noted there that these are teachers who are on the clock. So that somebody is paying for a substitute teacher while they're on one of their work days, but not actually attending their school, not teaching classes. And while they're on the clock, they're at diocesan premises being instructed on how to instruct children in the Catholic faith. That's as distinct from giving them, you know, teaching them about religion in general. And the reason That's that right. I really wanted the reason I really wanted to talk to you about this when I when I read about this was because of the Kafkaesque way that many state bodies have managed to manipulate the administration of the Freedom of Information Act in such a way as to, in some cases, entirely defeat it. And I've had experience mm-hmm. of this myself. And your experience seems to be notable, to say the very least. And there is a huge amount of correspondence. So what I'm not going to do is bore people to tears by giving them sure. every letter back and forth. And I can see that you've put a huge amount of effort into essentially wringing the truth out of the this relatively small and, if you're not in the education field, not very well-known government body. But to take it in the major steps, mm-hmm. when, you, when they wrote back and, and you could see just from published information, information in the public domain, published on, for example, church websites, that this was untrue, what they were saying, what step was available to you and what did you do next? Uh, Well, uh, firstly, I pointed out uh, to the PDST that um, this was just factually incorrect and, you know, perhaps there's uh, an oversight. Mm -hmm. And the the next step that they took um, was quite extraordinary to my mind, um, uh, whereas they had happily replied to my first Freedom of Information request. Mm -hmm. Once I pointed out that their first reply was factually incorrect, they then decided that they were not subject to the Freedom of Information Act, and they refused to engage with me any further. So uh, at that point, I had to go off to the Office of the Information Commissioner and appeal that so that they could make a determination um, with respect to um, whether or not the PDST was a public body for the purposes of the Act. I'll pause you I'll pause you on that just yep. to let the listeners know who are not familiar with this. There's essentially a three-step process in the Freedom of Information Act. And the first step is uh, you can write to any public body and say, Freedom of Information Act, I'd like these particular records, please. And then yep. they should send them to you. And if you're dissatisfied with the response, uh, 
You can ask for an internal review, which basically means you write back to them and say, I'm not happy with that. Can you refer it to your manager or whoever the person yes. internally they have in order to review this? And then hopefully somebody more senior will have a look at this. And if you're not happy with that, there's a body called the Office of the Information Commissioner to whom you can appeal, and that's an external appeal. And all of that is supposed to happen without any need to go to the courts, although in a couple of cases recently, the Office of the Information Commissioner has been taken to the courts for uh, for being that, even though it's the third step in this, that even they didn't release the information. And yep. you've got to pay money in order to appeal to the Office of the Information Commissioner. That's right. 50 quid, but it's it can add up, as I have discovered. And if Indeed. you win, you don't get the money back. It's 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 not a it's not a, exactly uh, something that you can you can reclaim back. Well, one further wrinkle there, uh, William, mm -hmm. is that uh, while the appeal process is going on at the Office of the Information Commissioner, um, very often you'll find as a private citizen like myself, who's not um, independently wealthy, mm -hmm. uh, what you'll find is you're invited to make a submission um, into the appeal. Uh, and when the result comes out, uh, you'll see that the public body um, had uh, lawyers make their submissions. So, yeah, when, when the uh, appeal process is going on, you're right that um, uh, it is streamlined in the sense that you don't have to revert to the courts. Um, but it's not an entirely fair process because you're essentially arguing the law against a team of uh, publicly funded lawyers. And I, I should note also that in your case, at step one, they wrote back to you and they said, yes, the answer to your information request is there's no such information. Step two, they mm -hmm. wrote back to you and they said, we're not answering because we're not subject to the FOI. What happened at step three? Yeah, well, um, they won the appeal uh, on the basis their, their lawyers are argued that they're a, a separate body under the aegis of the Department of Education and Skills. Mm -hmm. um, so what I did was then I submitted exactly the same verbatim uh, FOI request uh, to the Department of Education and Skills, and I included in that request, the previous decision from the Office of the Information Commissioner. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I was asking for the emails that the PDST had received from the Catholic Church. The PDST said, no, you're not getting those because we're not subject to FOI. Mm -hmm. The Office of the Information Commissioner agreed. They said the PDST is not subject to FOI because they're a independent body under the aegis of the department. Pause, so pause, with, that, pause with that, pause yep. with that for a second. So yep. when, as they're part of the, I mean, that could potentially be a valid argument. You know, if you want mm -hmm. to get uh, the record of, let's say, somebody in the security cabin at the entrance to the Department of Education, you don't write mm -hmm. to the guy sitting in the security cabin, you'll write to that. Exactly. So they're, they're entitled uh, to do yep. that. But once they do that, then the Department of Education most certainly is covered by the Freedom of Information Act. So that's a little yes. bit of a roundabout way. You know, they, they could have just passed the letter on to the Freedom of Information Office within the Department of Education for them to answer, couldn't they? That's right. Uh, exactly as you say, William, there's a, a feature of the FOI process whereby a body that receives a request and believes that they're not the correct respondent to that request, 
um, they shouldn't refuse it and force people to go through the um, the Office of the Information Commissioner appeal. What they should do is forward that request on to the correct body. Um, but uh, in, in this case, I went uh, round through the Office of the Information Commissioner. You pay your 50 euro for the appeal. Uh-huh. Uh, the answer is, uh, no, you have to go to the Department of Education. So that's what I did. And what did the Department of Education say? Well, I went through the same three-step process again that you described earlier and uh, got refused and went back to the um, Office of the Information Commissioner and appealed again. And again, you have this process with the lawyers and the lawyers in the Department of Education and Skills successfully argued that it wasn't them who should respond to my request. It's the Dublin West Education Centre. Um, which is uh, another public body that they said, well, that, that's essentially the middleman in between the department and the PDST. Ah, so in the, so, first, in the first stage, you'd aimed too low. Then they said you'd aimed too high and that you should have aimed precisely. somewhere in the, in, in the middle. And one precisely. thing that I should probably uh, say here is that the Freedom of Information Act might be a little bit misnamed. You can't just ask for information. You can only ask for records. That's to say, exactly. emails, paper records, uh, or the contents perhaps of a database that they have stored. And they can then either disclose those records. If they don't have such records, they can say they, they don't have them. Or they can mm-hmm. give one of a set number of reasons they can refuse those records, perhaps because they're commercially sensitive or perhaps uh, because it's private. So, for example, the Department of Education and no other department would not be required to release HR records that in- identified individual employees and gave out their those individuals' private information. In any case, right. I'm guessing you started that three-step process. So, by the way, We've gone through how far at this. I'm looking at your list of dates. You started by writing to them on the by writing to the PDST on the first of January 2018. Mm-hmm. Then, when you started, you wrote to the Department of uh, Education, and then I can see we're up to August 2019, uh, one year and eight months later. That's uh, right. And so, uh, you get uh, a decision uh, back from the DWEC, the Dublin West Education Centre. What did they say? Uh, they they said um, that they're not responsible either. Um, uh, so they, they didn't indicate who was responsible in their response. But uh, when I went through the same three-step pro- uh, process at the DWEC uh, and their lawyers went off to talk to the information commissioner, um, the information commissioner uh, essentially decided that... Um, the DWEC is the host of the PDST, mm-hmm. but um, they indicated that uh, they discovered new information and uh, told me I should make a fresh uh, FOI request to the department. Now, wait, wait. I who, have to, who told you? Who told you that they had discovered fresh information? The office the of information the information commissioner. commissioner. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So. If, uh, if anyone's interested in the details, all of the decisions, which in, in fairness to the Information Commissioner, the decisions are very detailed and um, they're quite legalistic. But mm-hmm. if you'd like to read them, they're on the Free Thought Profit website. I'll put a link um, in but, the show notes uh, exactly to this article, which I've got open in front of me at the moment. So it's now July 2020 by the time that you're told to supply a fresh request to the department of education what's the answer to that 
Well, the first thing to do is uh, they did in this case was something quite sneaky, which I've seen some other public bodies do before. And um, if you if you uh, think back to the my initial request that you uh, read out, William, mm-hmm. uh, for example, I sought all emails from the calendar year 2016 between the PDST and representatives of the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And what the department did was they sent me two emails, um, but they insisted that those emails were provided outside the terms of the FOI Act. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, this and who, is, who was it who sent you this, the Department of Education? The Department of Education. And, and the, the, the kind of two-step or the quick step here, uh, the, the kind of sleight of hand is... Um, they'll give you some documents that look uh, quite embarrassing on their face and you think, oh, success, I, I finally got this material. But uh, actually, the, the idea that they provide you this kind of out of the goodness of their heart, or as they put it, outside the terms of the FOI Act, mm-hmm. um, I mean, that, that's absolutely unacceptable. You know, it, it, the, the, these people aren't doing me a favor sending me these documents. I'm entitled to these documents. I mean, all, all taxpayers in the country are entitled to submit an FOI request for public documents because we paid for them. So if there's public business being done between the PDST and the Catholic Church, I'm entirely uh, entitled to see those documents. And yeah, I, don't I've, I have, to say, I have to say, John, I've had this as well, whereby uh, they send you some documents and in my case, it was a different public body mm-hmm. and then you try to appeal it because it's not, uh, they're not, not casting the net as widely as they should. And they yeah. said, oh, well, these were not, this was not an answer that we gave within the scope of the Freedom of Information Act. Therefore, you can't appeal. Is that what you got? Uh, yeah. So uh, I, I appealed uh, in the first step uh, in the internal appeal, which I should say the Department of Education charge you 30 euro for. So mm-hmm. it's 30 euro for the first step in the appeal. And then 50 euro if you go to the Office of the Information Commissioner. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, the, the first response I got from the department, and as you say, this is over two years later, William, uh, the first response was, well, well, we'll give you these two emails, but this is outside the terms of the FOI Act. And then I appealed that internally mm-hmm. and they come back and said, um, no, we're sticking with our original decision. Uh, we're not giving you any, we're not answering your FOI request. We're just doing you this little favor. And um, so then I went back to the OIC quite recently and uh, submitted another uh, appeal to say, Okay, somebody's finally given me documents now, but my my request was for all emails uh, in the calendar year 2016. Um, It wasn't for the cherry-picked two emails that they're willing to give me. And to be clear, these are electronic records. It's not like they have to pay someone to go down to the archives and pull out massive boxes and paper and sort through them and find out which ones are relevant. This is basically just doing control F, isn't it? Precisely. Um, so there, there's a, another article on our website that describes an appeal to the OIC about uh, some FOIs towards the ETBs, the Education and Training Boards. Mm-hmm. And as you, as you suggest, um, William, um, 
sometimes you'll get an answer with a big quote for this is how much it's going to cost to do this uh, incredibly onerous search that's implied by your FOI request. Mm -hmm. And you're thinking, oh, come on, folks, it's, it's just control F on an a email account. Um, but sometimes it's hard to prove that. But the, the, the one I did where I had a successful appeal to the OIC, um, I sent an exact verbatim identical FOI request to all 16 of the ETBs. Mm -hmm. And um, 15 of them came back and uh, did the FOI request for free. But Cork ETB told me that it was going to cost €4,800 to do the search. Um, and I appealed that to the OIC and Cork ETB told them, well, we have to find out um, who in our organization has got these documents, blah, 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 blah. It's going to be a lot of work. And uh, yeah, just as you say, William, the, the decision in that case, uh, again, the, the decision's on the website if anyone wants to read it. Um, but uh, the OIC essentially told Cork ETB that they're just pulling numbers uh, out of their backside. And um yeah, just do a control F, folks. This is easy. Okay, and we are recording this in October 2020. So it is nearly three years since you originally sent that pretty simple request that somebody could have done in 20 minutes by literally just doing control F, seeing yeah, what documents come up and uh, printing, uh, printing them out or even just, God forbid, forwarding you the emails. The exactly. FOI and Act, the FOI Act specifies that they're supposed to answer within four weeks. And that's right. What, what really strikes me, and one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about this, was I've had very, very similar experiences. And my one in particular, maybe this is a new one on you, was that okay. the body in question and the Office of the Information Commissioner agreed with them and said that records in a database were not records in, within the meaning of the Freedom of Information Act. Now, actually, you will find if you write under the Freedom of Information Act and ask a question, they will write you back very, very quickly and say, we don't answer questions. This is not giving you information. We are only able to give you records and you have to specify yeah. which records you want. But then when you specify what records you want, they say that actually records in a database, that's to say information recorded in a database, in, the, in my case, uh, collected on a website, doesn't count because we print that out, that information in a particular way, and we're only willing to give you the printouts that we already have made. Do you get the feeling, John, finally, that there's a lot of people in public bodies who don't like their cosy little numbers being interfered with? And when they get in a Freedom of Information Act request, their first thought is, how can I defeat this? Uh, absolutely. And... Um uh, when, when I was uh, maybe a little younger and less cynical, William, I used to think um, maybe these are just overworked departments. They have a, 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 an incredible amount of work to do. They get a new FOI request in for me. It's just um, a, a large extra burden. And their reticence might be explained by the fact that they're just trying to lessen the burden somewhat. But if you look at the kind of process that we discussed today, mm -hmm. I mean, the, the level of effort required to, to try and defeat the FOI request is significantly in advance of the level of effort required just to hit control F and send me the emails that I asked for. And it's not just the level of effort. E each of these three appeals to the OIC involves a bunch of lawyers who don't work for free. 
So uh, they're actually spending public money trying to defeat uh, these freedom of information requests. And it's also difficult to overlook the fact that when we um, when we eventually win a case, uh, we often see that um, there, there's definitely something that uh, the public bodies were trying to hide right mm-hmm. at the outset. But one of the other examples on our website is from Kevin Monaghan, ETB, close to me here. And I asked for uh, meeting minutes from their principals meetings. So they have a couple of dozen schools that they manage. Mm-hmm. And every so often, the principals of all the schools meet together and I ask for the minutes. So firstly, I don't think that should require a freedom of information request. There's no reason why they shouldn't just put the minutes up on the website. Um, but when I got the minutes, um, I was reading through them and it looked from one meeting that there was a page missing. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, the, the end of a sentence uh, on one page wasn't completed on the next page it looked mm-hmm. like there were a page missing so i went back and queried that um and they told me um oh there was a problem with the photocopying you know this was printed double-sided sorry we missed that when we were trying to photocopy the double-sided paper but of course the one page that they missed was the page describing the instructions from the catholic church on how to teach religion being distributed to the principals of every ETB school in Cavan and Monaghan. So, you know, you get an an FOI response of a couple of hundred pages and there's one page missing. Maybe maybe that's a mistake. But when the page that is missing is the most embarrassing page of the whole lot. uh, And when this kind of thing happens more than once, Sometimes you'd think that this isn't an accident. John Hamill, long-time secular campaigner. It's almost enough to make you paranoid. Thank you very much for talking to me. Thanks, William. Make your view heard. Record your own contribution and email it to podcast at hereshow.ie. You can find tips on how to record a good contribution and other ways to contact the podcast at hereshow.ie slash call. You can see there that John's story tells a pretty damning tale about the attitude of the Department of Education and Skills, as it's now called, towards the freedom of information laws. And I really don't want to single out that one department. This attitude is pervasive right across government. Nevertheless, I did send a list of written questions to the Department of Education's press office that related to this case. The main question that I asked was about this culture of seeking to frustrate the proper implementation of the law. The department refused to answer. The next most important question, in my view, was about the practice of just flatly refusing to accept an FOI request, saying that they were dealing with it outside the FOI process, and then refusing to grant a review because, according to them, the question was dealt with outside of the FOI. Since this is entirely illegal, the FOI is mandatory, it's not something that they can choose to apply or not, I asked the department if they accepted that the law applied to them and they had to follow it whether they liked it or not. In response, a spokesperson said, quote, The concept of providing information outside of FOI is undertaken by public bodies to allow for information to be provided where it may not be covered by the FOI Act or where requests do not relate to records. For example, many requests are often in question form. This is a profoundly dishonest answer. 
As was entirely clear from my question, nobody is quibbling with the department applying common sense flexibility and giving citizens more information than the bare minimum that's required in law. The problem is, of course, when they refuse to disclose records that they are required to hand over and then say that because they made that decision to refuse outside of the framework of the FOI, that you can't request a review of that decision as set out in the FOI law. This is not a rare occurrence. I've had it happen to myself. This is where you send an email to the email address foi at whatever department with the subject line freedom of information request. The first line of the email is I want to request records under the Freedom of Information Act and the public body refuses the records and then they say that because they unilaterally made the decision to refuse outside of FOI, you can't ask for a review of that refusal. The department also refused to answer my question asking what disciplinary process applies to staff who defy the FOI laws, but they did admit that not a single member of staff has ever been disciplined for that, so presumably the answer is none. Finally, the spokesperson said, the department does not believe that any change is required. I don't think we needed an FOI request to get that nugget of information. Do you agree? Do you disagree? If you want your point of view heard, dial 076-603-5060 and leave a contribution for the show. The lines are open 24-7 and you can find tips on how to record a good contribution and other ways to contact the podcast at hereshow.ie slash call. Go to the website for sources and references from the show. And while you're there, you can like the show on Facebook. You can follow the show on Twitter at Here's How Podcast. And you can follow John Hamill at John Hamill 151. And get in touch with me if you can suggest a guest or a topic for a future show. And thanks again to all the patrons on Patreon. Their donations allow me to devote more time to research and finding interesting guests. And if you could do the same as them and donate a dollar or two per podcast or per month, please do go to patreon.com slash here's how. That link is on the website. Also there you can find out how to subscribe to the podcast for free on your computer, on your phone or by email. All of that information is at www.hereshow.ie. The Here's How podcast is produced and presented by me, William Campbell. Thank you for listening. Thank you.